now it is time to go. It's time to get to get his army together. They've already gathered. They've assembled, assembled together. Now it's time to fight the Midianites. And But we're going to take, um, if you will, um, the cutting of the army that God does. If you're familiar with the story, you know exactly what takes place. But just I want to take time to examine this, the cutting, if you will, the uh, reduction, the reducing of the army. But God takes a great bit of people and reduces it down to just a handful. Um, and sometimes we question, why would God do these things? So we're going to look at that, why, why, um, and then we'll look at the test, and then we'll look at the covenant that God gave there. So let's go ahead and we'll read our couple verses here, and then we'll jump right into the message. Uh, Judges chapter 7, verse number 1, Then Jerubbabel, uh, which, uh, who is Gideon, and all the people that were with him rose up early and pitched beside the well of Herod, so that the host of the Midianites were on the north side of them by the hill of Morah in the valley. So they were in the valley. The Midianites were in the valley. And, and uh, Gideon and his men were not. And the Lord said unto Gideon, The people that are with thee are too many for, for me to give the Midianites into the hands lest Israel vaunt themselves against me, saying, Mine own hand hath saved me. Now therefore... Go to proclaim in the ears of, of, the, of the people, saying, Whosoever is fearful and afraid, let him return and depart early from Mount Gilead. And there returned of the people 20 and 2,000, and there remained 10,000. So let's stop there. We'll jump in. We'll, we'll finish reading the rest of that text. But I just want to take that first couple verses here and give you just a simple thought. Um, in, in Judges chapter 8 and verse number 10, the Bible says that there was, uh, for there fell about 120,000 men of the Midianites. So the Midianite army was over 120,000 men, uh, and the children of Israel, they had 33,000 men ready to go, or 32,000 men ready to go. And uh, so God says, number one, what's the cause for God to cut the army. Why would God cut the army when it was already outnumbered? It was already to a place where uh, the odds were already basically stacked against them. So as we look at this in verse number two, it tells us why he cut it. He says at the latter end of verse number two, he says, lest Israel vaunt themselves against me, saying, mine own hand hath saved me. God reduced the army because of pride. He said, I don't want you to have pride. I don't know necessarily that they had pride, but he didn't want them to have pride. Pride, the Bible tells in two different scriptures, in Proverbs 16, verse 18, he said, pride goeth before destruction. It, it, pride brings destruction. Proverbs 6, verse 16 and verse 17. He says, These six things that the Lord hate, yea, seven are an abomination unto him. And the first one on the list is a proud look. So God needed to reduce the children of Israel so there would be no pride. Now, there's been times that God's had to reduce Trenton because of pride. Pride gets in the way. Pride is against God. Pride is not on the same page with God. You have pride, it gets in the way. 
it gets in the way of God moving and working in my life. It gets in the way of, of God working in your life. Pride is an enemy of God. Isn't that interesting that God would say, nope, uh-uh, I don't want you to vaunt yourself against me. Uh, look what I accomplished. Let me ask you, have we ever done that? Did you see what I did? I don't have my steel toe shoes on my bridge. Maybe there's been times in our life, times in my life that I've had to be put back in my place. God's had to put me in the right spot because my pride got in the way. Um, but pride is, is a hard issue. It's a heart issue. And not only is it a heart issue, but it's a hard issue. Because pride will stop us from admitting that we're wrong. <laughs> Boy, you're going to get in trouble tonight. Yet it causes us from not being honest with ourselves. Someone who is prideful can't admit that they've ever done anything wrong. Look at yourself in the mirror. Look at myself in the mirror. Um, you know, it's kind of like one of those things where it talks about the moat being in our eye and the looking worried about our neighbors. But what happened is we forget who we are, where God's brought us from, what God has saved us out of, what God has saved us from. We forget that that's me. I still have my sin. I still have things that I deal with. And pride will cause us to not really evaluate ourselves right. Pride um, perverts salvation. Why does pride pervert salvation? Who's salvation about? Who's salvation about? Is it about me and my works? And my church attendance? And my, yeah. But pride perverts it. Pride says, well, it's me that takes me to heaven. That's, that's right? Is that right or wrong? That's right. It is absolutely right, but it's absolutely wrong. Right. Mm-hmm. Because pride, you buy yourself. That's right. That's right. That's true. That's true. <laughs> Ephesians 2, 8 and 9 says, For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourself, hmm? uh, you know, not of me, not anything that I can do. Bible says in Titus 3, 5, he says, Not by works of righteousness which we have done i believe i believe it's uh isaiah that tells us and i might be wrong on that but he tells us that our righteousness is as filthy rags the best that i can do is 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 dirt but a prideful man a prideful person says well i can accomplish it and i can be just as good as i want to be and i can accomplish heaven no i can't accomplish heaven i can't do this. God had to take the army of Israel and say, no, 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 no. I don't want you to even think for just a moment 
that you accomplished this because you had so many men. What is that song that says, little is much when God is in it. Labor not for wealth or fame. There's a prize and you can win it if you'll go in Jesus' name. Hey, God doesn't have to have a lot to get accomplished what he needs to. Um, Pride perverts salvation. Pride perverts service too. You say, what do you mean by that? I'll read you a couple scriptures. In 1 Samuel, there's a a instance where um, Jonathan and his armor bearer, they decide to go down and fight um, the big group of Philistines in 1 Samuel 14, in verse number 6, Jonathan said to his young man that bare his armor, he said, come and let us go over unto the garrison of the uncircumcised. It may be that the Lord work for us. For there is no restraint to the Lord to save by many or by few. It doesn't matter to the Lord if there's a hundred on his side or if there's five million on his side. With God on our side, we have the upper hand. And so these men, and just like what was taking place here with the Israelites, they might have been outnumbered completely, but they sure was not uh, out God. I mean, God was bigger than the, uh, the enemy. God was way more than the enemy. Bible says in Psalms 127 and verse number 1, he said, except the Lord build the house, they labor in vain. That build it. Except the Lord keep the city, the watchman walketh, but in vain. Who builds the city? God does. Who takes care of it? Who, who builds the house? God does. Uh, when we try to, man, I've got to muster it up and get it. No, no, it's God. Uh, it's God. God is the one that's going to fill it up. God's the one that's going to build the, build the house. Not me. Not you. But so many times things are built on personalities and churches are built on personalities and people. But ultimately, the one who builds the house is, is not the people. And it's not the personality. And it's not the preaching. It's the God. That builds the house. Right? That's right. All right, anything? Anybody else? Any thoughts? Any question? Because if you look at the rest of this text in verse number two, he says, um, then... You know, you'll vaunt yourself against me saying, mine own hand has saved me. He said, what you'll think and what God needed to reduce was you'll think that you did it all on your own. You accomplished it. You got it done. And you didn't need God's help to get it done. Can you do things without God's help? <laughs> Should you do them without God's help? No. Can you do things God, without God's help? Yeah. Make a mess of it. It's not going to turn out the right way. Well, I'll control it. I'll, I'll, I'll handle the situation. We can see a good example of that with who's running this country. Yeah. With what's happening now. 
they, they, they should put God first and ask God first. Let him lead it. But what happens in, in a lot of situations, power becomes so important and God becomes less and less. Just It happens in churches. God becomes, I mean, power becomes more and more and people become more and more and we don't need God as much and we don't need that. No, no, it, whether you're big or small or little or not important or have power or no power, where does God need to be? He needs to be at the forefront and not about pride and not boasting about what you've accomplished. Because ultimately, without God, we can't accomplish what we need to accomplish. People being saved, people being baptized, people joining the church doesn't happen because of somebody. It happens because of the Lord. And we can never, I mean, because it's not about me. If it's about me and if it's about you, then pride's in the way. And then we can stop things from doing what needs to happen. Because pride, God said, no, 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 no. It's out. Get him out of here. God said, go. Pride. You're not going. But you know, whenever I played the pages of my history, mm-hmm. you know, and the things that I accomplished when I was working by myself, mm-hmm. high in the world that I do what I did. You know, you don't think about it. What when you're working, and Brother Jerry can relate to that. I'm, I'm, I'm talking. You know, sometimes you're out there by yourself, and you have to accomplish something that normally takes two or three people, but yet one person can do it. And it's not just. <laughs> it's not just you working on it. Well, you, you see, the, whenever you flip the pages of history and everything, you see how God was right there all along. Right. Giving you the strength and the wisdom and the understanding to do what you had to do by yourself. You thought. But you you're not by yourself. Right. You, know, right. you understand what I'm saying? Oh yeah, yeah. And you know, I used to worry about the the the, the finances and everything of uh, our finances at home and everything. Uh and I did. I do worry about the church finances, but I know who's in control. Yes, sir. And whenever I realize who was in control, and I got peace about it, I don't fret about it anymore. Yeah. Because God is in control of everything. That's right. He's in control. He knows what's going on. Right. And somebody gonna have to pay the price. But the, uh, the, uh, they used to have an air, fi- uh, air filter advertised that pay me now or pay me later, or all filter on TV. You remember, y'all remember that? Uh, pay me now. Pay me, pay me now. Pay, you pay for the filter or pay me now, pay me later. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. That's and right. that's how I feel about, you know, what's going on today in, in, in the world. I know who's in control. <coughs> and that gives me peace. Right. Because it's not just affecting me and everything. I know right. where I'm going whenever time ends. I know where I'm going. Right. Ultimately, and that's what that's what matters. Um, you know, and, and pride and pride gets in our way. But yeah. if we rely on the Lord when we're doing something, 
then he can give us the strength to go on. He can give us the strength to accomplish things that, well, how did you get that done? Well, the Lord helped me get that done. That's because of not relying on self. If I rely on self, man, I'm going to be underwater quick. I rely on the Lord. He'll give me that strength that I need. He'll give me that strength. That's right. Anybody else? Any other questions? Number one, why? Or the cause, if you will. Number two, the check in the cut. Well, more so the, the test, the checking. God test them. What is this test about? In verse number three, we already read, but the, the Lord told Gideon, he said, go before the people and tell them if they're afraid, go home. <laughs> so the first test that we see that God gives the children of Israel is one, he gives them a pride test, if you will, in verse number two. But then also the Lord says, okay, the first test in, in this pride test is send people home. We have too many. Tell them if they're afraid to go home. Can you imagine standing before those 32,000 men and saying, look, guys, if you're afraid, go home. And all of a sudden you hear a bunch of stuff rattling and going and tents being put away and rolled up and take off and you look around and there's only 10,000 of them left. Done 22,000 of them done took off down the road because they were afraid to go to fight. Why do you think it was important for them to go home? Why do you think it was important that they got rid of those that were fearful? Those that were afraid? Those that wouldn't, would be afraid in battle? Why do you think it was important for them to get rid of those who were afraid? Somebody tell me. Well, tell, tell me why you think they had to get rid of those who were afraid, who were afraid to go to battle. Yeah. Mm -hmm. They get it away. I don't think they were very good in battle. No. Scared to death. Yeah. 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 But through this, the Lord wanted to show, wanted to show that He didn't need all of them. Right. I mean, He can win battles if it's just Him. That's right. That's right. That's right. And that's what he's going to do here. He's, he's fixing to release his power. In the next few verses, he's going to release it. Um, we won't get to the fight that, that occurs, but just God cutting it, 22,000 of them ran out the door because they were afraid. Man, get out of here. Get out of here. Do you suppose that he wanted to see who had faith? Who had faith? Yeah. 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 You know, he tests our faith. That's right, he does. And I believe it's a test of faith. That's right. Out yeah. of all those people, you look how many stood standing there. Yeah. Let's go. That's right. That's right. I mean, you think about this. Just 
if you just simply, if we're going to go and we're going to go fight down the road, I've, I've never been in a physical punching fight with anybody, but can you imagine, uh, let's go get in a physical fight. Who are you taking with you? You taking someone that is afraid to fight? Who are you taking with you? You're taking with you someone who's going to get his arm up and get ready to fight. You don't want somebody who's afraid. Stand by me. Stand. That's right. That's right. And so, I mean, in the mind of Gideon, man, I I mean, I know that he hated to see 22,000 of them leave, but man, fear spreads. And you needed people that had faith and belief that God was going to get them through, even though there was 22,000 of them that just walked out the door. I mean, that, that alone stirs fear. You have, if you had a group of people in here and you're, all right, all right, let's go to battle, and all of a sudden people started to leave, that causes fear. And then you get out on the battle, and then they won't pull their sword because they're afraid. You know, then they're hiding out in the back, and they've got multiple people with them. You know, no, you don't want that in battle. God says, get them out. Get them out. Check it. Check their faith. Test their faith. Test their, test their fear. Too many times in our own life we're fearful. We're fearful of things that we can't control. We're not that, don't have that faith that we need. Mm. Well, Anything else? Anybody else? Any other thoughts concerning that? The first test? Let's look at the second test that God gives them. In verse number four, the Bible says, And the Lord said unto Gideon, The people are yet too many. Can you imagine? Can you just? I know it has nothing to do with this point that we're on. But can you imagine being Gideon? And you're sitting here. Here you was, just threshing wheat, doing your own thing. God called you to go to war. And he gives you 32,000 men ready to go with swords drawn, uh, shields up. And then God says, you've got too many. And 22,000 of them walk out the door. You're like, okay, well, I can handle 12. Okay, let's go to war. And then God says, no, 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 wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Let's, you have too many. I have too many. Have you seen the other army? But Gideon didn't blink an eye. Gideon didn't question God. He, Gideon said, come on, guys, let's go down here and go to the next test. That, that tells you the faith of Gideon. We go back and we kind of questioned it with the fleece and the different things like that. But this proves how truly faithful Gideon was no matter what God said. Okay, well, then fine. If you think I have too many, then cut them off. Get them out of here. Let's win with what you say we need to win with. And so the test, the next test is to drink the water. Uh, so look in verse number four. We'll continue to read. I know I stopped there for a second, but he said, bring them unto the water and I will try them for thee there. And it shall be that, that of whom I say unto thee, this shall go with the same shall go with thee. And whomsoever I say unto thee, this shall not go with thee. The same shall not go. And so he brought the people unto the water, and the Lord said unto Gideon, Every one that lappeth of the water with his tongue as a dog, him shalt thou set by, by himself. Likewise, let every one that boweth down upon his knees to drink. And the number of them that lapped, putting their hand to their mouth, 
were 300 men. And but all the rest of them bowed down upon their knees to drink the water. And the Lord said unto Gideon, By the 300 men that lapped will I save you. So God dismisses not what, 9,700 of them? <laughs> because of the way they drank water? The reason God dismissed them was because there were those that got in that water and just placed their face in it and just drank it. And then there were those that got in the water and reached down and took a drink because they were alert. They were watching their surroundings because they didn't know when the enemy was or where the enemy was. And they, God wanted people who were alert and ready. Now, I don't know why God needed those that were alert compared to those that just put their face in the water. But God said, all you need is the 300. Whew. I'm saying, okay, God, we need to extend this contract. We got to get these guys back. Let's renegotiate this. What did you do here? No, that's... that's 300. But that's not what God said. That's not even what Gideon said. Gideon was like, let's do it. Let's go. Let's get it. Man, the test that God put these through, the check, are you alert? You know what that, what is that today? The Bible says be sober. Be vigilant for your adversary, the devil, walketh about seeking whom he may devour. We understand that no matter where we're at in this life, the devil wants to attack you. The devil wants to get at you. He wants to get your flesh going. Because if he can get your flesh controlling who you are and what you are, that flesh will get you in trouble. The flesh. But there those men were, were alert, were alert. And that last one, which is the covenant. But look in verse number seven. He said, and the Lord said unto Gideon, by the 300 men that lapped, I lapped, will I save you? Dad, dad. What a covenant that God made. What a covenant that God made. What a promise that God made to the children of Israel that he would save them by the 300. You're saved, and I will deliver the Midianites into thine hand. Man. When we think about the promises that God gives us. We think about the things that God has done for us, but it doesn't come without sometimes reducing of who we are or who we think we are. And God said, no, no, no. You don't need 32,000. You need... 300 because it's not about who you are it's about who you serve and that's God and Gideon as you said just a little bit ago he said uh, that God didn't need anybody to go down there and beat the Midianites up he didn't have to have anybody just be done with it but to prove 
how good God is and to prove the strength of God. He said, I'll, I'll just do it with 300. And the event that takes place in the valley, how those 300 men all come together in the middle of the night and hit those pots and all the, all the, next, the next story, but how God wins because he had to cut. You know, talk about in, I think, uh, John 14, John 15, where he talks about the vine. And sometimes you have to trim the vine for it to grow. Sometimes in our life, we need to trim things so we can grow. And that's what God had to do. He said, no, no, no. You don't need 32,000. You need 300. That's tough. I don't know that I had the faith of Gideon to say, okay, God, I'm okay with 300 instead of 32,000. Going against an army with over 100,000 100, soldiers and you've got 300 of them. But sometimes in this life, you have to beat the odds. Beat the odds that stand against you. Beat the odds that stand against us as Christians. Whether there be few, whether God saved by few or by many, God can do it. Amen. All right, any other thoughts or questions? Our faith needs to grow. I mean, and it's going to grow by studying His Word. Yes, sir. And believing what, believing what you read. As Paul said, he said, the words of this book are not the prophet's words, but they're the Lord's words. He gave it to the prophet yes. to put out. And thank the Lord He did, so it gives us. Amen. That's right. A guide for That's our right. souls, a guide for what we should be doing. And there's an answer to every problem. We we are not we're not unusual. It's happened before somewhere in the Old Testament, New Testament, somewhere. So there's an answer for a lot of problems. That's right. Except fix some bacon. But <laughs> <laughs> it, it is. You can read but if you read the Bible says the Bible enough, you're going to find where something has happened before. That's right. It's just uh, like I think it was Solomon wrote that uh, things repeat themselves. Right. There's nothing new under the sun. Right. And, and it does. It, uh, but we need to get that much of the faith that the saints of old had. I mean, they had faith Yes. That uh, we maybe because we haven't saw and we haven't done, but we can talk to God and we can our faith can grow. Amen. Well, faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. We need to grow our faith. It doesn't happen overnight. That's right. You know, we get our test faith, our faith tested, and it causes us to grow our faith. Gideon would not have had the faith that he did had not God reduced him to the 300. I mean, it took more faith to go to battle with 300 than it did to go with 32,000. I was reading today in, uh, where our lesson comes from Sunday in Hebrews. Hebrews 11, I believe it is, 11, 1 through, is talking about uh, 
about the faith Abraham had, and it goes right on down talking about the faith, the different saints, uh, different ones of old. Had yes, sir. And it is, uh, you keep, you, you know, you read this, and it, it does, it sticks a little more with you. Amen. As you continue to read, but you've got to spend a little time with God's Word. That's right. That's right. That's right. Amen. Amen. All right. Anybody else? Well, let's close with a word of prayer. Lord, I love you. I thank you for tonight. Thank you for everyone that's here. I pray for those.